0: We started the book of Job a couple weeks ago. Chapters 1 and 2 are vital. If you weren't with us a couple weeks ago, to kind of get chapters 1 and 2, I highly encourage you to get online, listen to it, or grab a copy of the CD. It really sets the tone here for what we're going through. Job, as most of you know, going through the worst that we can imagine. Losing everything he literally owns, losing his kids, his family, and as we've mentioned many times before, he doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. Remember that as we go through this, he doesn't know what's going on behind the scenes. He lost his kids, he lost his possessions, he lost his buildings, he's lost his health. This man is struggling. Struggling immensely. Job chapter 3, the whole chapter is basically, I wish I never would have been born. Now, have you ever gone through that? That darkness, the pain, be it the physical pain, the emotional pain, the spiritual pain, where you just stop and say, why did I not die? Why could I not just wake up tomorrow and just that be my last breath. And that was Job 3. That's a tough chapter to really digest. We had Jody Hathaway get up with us last Wednesday, and she shared her testimony, what she's been through the last few years. And what a blessing that was of seeing somebody go through these Job moments, but come out the other end and say, okay, Lord, I'm still here with you, and I encourage you to get a copy of that. But what happens here tonight, and Lord willing, time willing, I told you we're going to hopefully try to go through this pretty quickly here. If we can... I'd really like to do chapters 4, 5, 6, and 7. Yeah, I know. (laughs) That ain't going to happen. I said I'd like to. I'd also like to lose weight, too. There's a lot of things I'd like to do. Is it going to happen? But it's important because what happens here in chapters 4 and 5, this is Eliphaz. He's going to give his ideas. And then what you have in chapters 6 and 7 is Job's response. Well, then what happens is in chapter 8, Bildad gets up and he shares his point. So it's nice to get this all together. And really what we do is we start this out with is Eliphaz has been sitting here. They've been sitting for seven days, not saying anything, watching Job. Finally, Job opens his mouth last chapter. Well, it's kind of like now the ice has been broken. So, verse 1 of chapter 4, "...then Eliphaz the Timonite answered and said, If one attempts a word with you, will you become weary? But who can withhold himself from speaking?" So Eliphaz, the Temanite, as we mentioned before, the Temanites seem to be grandsons of Esau, descendants of Esau. So this could be dated after Abraham's time. This is a fairly old book in the Bible there. Now, we don't know for sure. So Eliphaz gets up and he gives a few speeches. From basically chapter 4 through chapter 38, it's 34 chapters of Eliphaz and Bildad, and there's another guy by the name of Elohu, and there's another guy here by the name of Zophar and Job. They just talk. Now... If you've been married, you know that sometimes you and your spouse have these long, drawn-out conversations. And you just kind of keep circling the same points again and again and again. Now imagine that some of those conversations were recorded for everybody to read for all of eternity. It would be kind of embarrassing. Imagine in the deepest, darkest time of physical, emotional, and spiritual pain, your thoughts were recorded. That's what you have here for 34 chapters. You have this group of four guys, I should say five guys, trying to figure out why this is happening to Job. And they're trying to figure out why it's happening to Job apart from the wisdom and revelation of God. And they all have lots of ideas. So Eliphaz starts it out, verse 2, basically saying, Hey, can we talk? Job should have said no. But now we have 34 chapters of them talking. Verse 3. Surely you have instructed many, you have strengthened weak hands, your words have upheld him who is stumbling, and you have strengthened the feeble knees. Job, you've done a lot. You've helped a lot of people. Verse 5, but now it comes upon you and you are weary. It touches you and you are troubled. It's not your reverence, your confidence, and the integrity of your ways, your hope. Listen to what this guy's saying. Hey, Job, you've helped people throughout the years. You've helped people going through difficult times. As we mentioned last week, Job kind of gives some of the list of people things he's done. He's helped the widows. He's helped the fatherless. He's helped people in times of need. So now Eliphaz is saying to him, Hey, listen, you've helped people in difficult times. Verse 5, now that a difficult time happens to you, you can't handle it? Now please remember as we go through this book, this book is recording what man thinks and says. So often when people say, well, it's in the Bible, yeah, there's a lot of passages in the Bible. The Bible quotes Satan. That doesn't make what Satan says right. If you read the book of Ecclesiastes, there's a lot of funky ideas in Ecclesiastes. God records it. It doesn't make it right. The Gospels record the Pharisees and Sadducees saying that Jesus isn't the Messiah. That doesn't make them right, but it records it. What you have here is man's opinions recorded. So Eliphaz's great idea is you've helped other people and now you can't handle it yourself. Come on, Job, buck up. Verse 7, remember now, whoever perished being innocent or who were the upright ever cut off. You know what he's saying there in verse 7? You're reaping what you sow. You must be in sin. Because obviously these bad things happening to you are because of what you've done. Verse 8, even as I have seen those who plow iniquity and sow trouble reap the same. By the blast of God they perish. Put yourself in Job's position. You just lost all your kids. You lost all your possessions. You're in awful, immense, horrible physical pain. You've sat there for seven days. No one said anything. Finally, you open your mouth and you're like, you know what? Curse the day I was born. I wish I never was born. Here are your friends. They're great advice. Uh, you can't handle this, Job. Come on. You can't. Buck up. Next point of advice, verse 7. Obviously, you're in sin, Job. I mean... Bad things just don't happen to people for no reason. Do you realize that that idea is still out there today? Well, you have cancer. You must have some unconfessed sin in your life. You lost your job. Well, what did you do wrong spiritually? You're not praying enough? You're not reading enough? Can you imagine if that's the way God worked? If you wanted something, you just had to pray and read a lot, and then you could get it. But if you didn't pray and read a lot or witness a lot of people, and then bad things would happen. Aren't you glad that you serve a God of grace and mercy and love? We say out here a lot, tomorrow morning when you wake up, you don't have to pray. You don't have to witness, and you don't have to read your Bible. Now, I hope you do, and God would love it if you would, but you don't have to, because God will still love you the same whether you do or not. is that amazing? And when you stop and you look at that, as we sing the song, that amazing grace, that amazing grace then says, well, Lord, now I want to read now, I want to pray. Now, I want to share. Not because I have to, but because it's so absolutely amazing. Now, where did Eliphaz get all this great wisdom from? Well, verse 12. Now, a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. Now, as I'm reading this, I want you to think of like little weird, eerie Halloween music in the background. And disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep falls on men. Fear came upon me in trembling, which made all my bones shake. Then a spirit... Passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes. There was silence. Then I heard a voice saying, How did Eliphaz get this awesome wisdom? Because at night, secretly, quietly whispering, visions came to him. A spirit came to him and revealed this to him. Ooh, this guy's deep, right? Same thing still happens today. People get up and they make themselves more selves, sound more spiritual than they are. I was praying the other night and the presence of the Lord just came upon me. I saw this vision and I need to share this vision with you. And what happens is you hear that and you say, I don't get visions, I don't get dreams. The Lord doesn't come to me in the middle of the night, so obviously this guy's more spiritual than me. And so since he's more spiritual than me, I probably should really pay attention. Now let me say a couple things here. I want to make this abundantly clear. I believe in Joel 2, 28 through 29. Or in Joel 2, 28, 29, where it says, young men will see visions, old men will dream dreams, and that the Holy Spirit will come upon us. I firmly believe that. And I don't want to put God in a box. I firmly believe that the Lord can do anything He wants to communicate in any way that He wants. My boys the other day came up to me and I think it was Kenan was reading through his devotions and he's like, Dad, you know a donkey spoke to people in the Old Testament? Yeah. Dad wants to use a donkey, let him use a donkey. So I firmly believe that people can have the dreams. I believe that the Spirit can speak to them. I believe they can have the visions. I believe the Holy Spirit can do that. Joel two twenty eight and 29, firmly believe that. But God would never contradict his word. Psalm 138.2, it says that God honors his word above his name. If you're a note taker, write that down. Psalm 138.2, God honors his word above his name, which means, think of the power of the name of God. Jesus, when he was in the garden about to get arrested, and they said, we are here to arrest Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said, whom are you seeking? And they said, Jesus of Nazareth. And his response was, I am. And the Bible says when he said, I am, all the soldiers got knocked down. Now, why did all the soldiers get knocked down? Because at that brief moment, Jesus allowed his deity to come out for a second to say, I am. Now, what does that I am mean? It goes back to what we studied in Exodus. When Moses asked the burning bush, God, who should I say sent me? I am. is who sent you. That's the power of the name of God. What does it say in the book of Philippians? At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. That Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the name and the power of the name of the Lord. What he says in Psalm 138 is, I honor my word above that. That's pretty impressive. Go with me real quick, if you go to Deuteronomy 13. Deuteronomy 13. I have seen over the years, people using ultra-spiritual things to make themselves sound more spiritual than what they are, and to be quite... A- honest, to intimidate, or to take advantage of non-believers, excuse me, young believers. This idea of the Lord came to me, or God said. Now, can the Lord come to you? You bet. Can God give you a word to share with somebody? You bet. There's the word of wisdom. There's the word of knowledge. We've established that. But there has to be a baseline for this. Look here in Deuteronomy 13, starting verse 1. If there arises among you a prophet or a dreamer of dreams, and he gives you a sign or a wonder, and the sign or the wonder come to pass, of which he spoke to you, saying, Let us not go after other gods, which you have not known, and let us serve them. You shall not listen to the words of that prophet or that dreamer of dreams. For the Lord your God is testing you to know whether you love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The Lord is saying, I will allow allow false prophets to come into your midst to give you false visions, to give you false ideas, to test you. Are you really going to listen to me and my word or them? Verse 4, You shall walk after the Lord your God and fear Him and keep His commandments and obey His voice. You shall serve Him and hold fast to Him. But that prophet or that dreamer of dreams shall be put to death. Because he has spoken in order to turn you away from the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt and redeemed you from the house of bondage to entice you from the way in which the Lord your God commands you to walk. So you shall put away the evil from your midst. If your brother, the son of your mother, your son or your daughter, the wife of your bosom or your friend who is with your own soul secretly entices you saying, Let us go and serve other gods which you have not known, neither you nor your fathers, of the gods of the people which are all around you, near to you or far off from you, from one end of the earth to the other end of the earth. You shall not consent to him or listen to him, nor shall your eye pity him, nor shall you spare him or conceal him, but you shall surely kill him. Your hand shall be first against him to put him to death, and afterward the hand of all the people. And you shall stone him with the stones until he dies, because he sought to entice you away from the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Old Testament, I stand up in front of the congregation of Israel, and I say, Thus saith the Lord... I say that God came to me and revealed this to me, and I'm telling you, and this is what's going to happen. Here's the prophecy, here's the dream, here's the vision. Old Testament law says, fine, mark it down. If it happens, amen. If it doesn't, stone him. Now, would that not really limit people that say, thus saith the Lord? Now, I am not suggesting we bring this back. But let's just hypothetically say we did would you not really, really, really think before you came up to somebody and said, you know what, God laid it on my heart to tell you something. It would make you really think about that, wouldn't you? See, but now, people all over the place are saying stuff. Oh, man, there's so many examples. I had somebody come up to me a few years ago. They got a letter in the mail from one of those very big ministries name doesn't matter they came up and they said I got a letter in the mail that said that they had a vision they had a dream for me and for me specifically and they would like to share it with me and I kid you not the letter said send in your love gift and we'll reveal the dream or vision it's like oh right, now we have to pay to see what God wants to say to us that's not of God a few years ago when that guy got up and said the end of the world was happening in the beginning of May what's the best way to handle it well let's see if it happens if it doesn't happen guess what I think he was wrong So if somebody comes up now and says Jesus is returning, okay, I'll mark it on my calendar. If it happens, I'll see you in heaven. If it doesn't, I guess you were wrong. Good thing we don't live in the Old Testament. People come up a lot. You know what the Lord told me to tell you. Now be careful about that. Be careful. This is why God has set up these ideas and these guidelines. I was just talking to someone this week, a guy, and he told me that the Lord laid it on his heart to do this thing this thing is not biblical this thing goes against what the Bible says I said why would the Lord lead you to do something that is not lined up with the scripture question mark I don't know but he told me to I don't think he did see what's happened here with Eliphaz and Job he sounds ultra spiritual Job listen to me At night, the other night, my my hair stood up. I was trembling. And the Spirit passed before me. And I couldn't see it. I couldn't tell its appearance. But there was this form before my eyes. And there was silence. And all of a sudden, I heard this voice. And this voice told me. See, now we hear that. And we're like, oh, wow. Man, that stuff doesn't happen to me. Or man, when I read my Bible, that doesn't happen. This guy must really be spiritual. Or the guy could really just be wrong. So that's Eliphaz's idea. So this is how he got all this wisdom. So now Eliphaz then goes to chapter 5. And he says, hey, Job, how about you? Call out now. Is there anyone who answer you? I mean, because Job, I got, I got spirits coming to me in the middle of the night. Making my hair stand up and, and revealing deep, dark things to me. Job, is anybody talking to you? Because they're talking to me. Who can help you, Job? Can anyone help you? And guess what? Look at what he says here. Call out now, is anyone there? Anyone who will answer you, verse 1? And to which of the holy ones will you turn? For wrath kills a foolish man, and envy slays a simple one. I have seen the foolish taking root, but suddenly I cursed his dwelling place. His sons are far from safety. They are crushed in the gate. Don't you think that's a little behind-the-back comment to Job? Because look what he says right here. The foolish, verse 3, Their sons are crushed in the gate. There's no deliverer. Guess what happened to Job's sons? That's basically patting you on the back with one hand and stabbing you with the other. Job, I'm here for you. Look what Eliphaz has said so far. Job, I'm here for you. Can I talk to you? I just want to tell you a couple things. You've helped others, but now you can't handle it. Job, there must be some sin in your life. That's why these things are happening. And also, Job, by the way, I'm getting deep revelations at night. You're obviously not. And Job, I've noticed that only foolish people have their sons die. Verse 8, But as for me, I would seek God, and to God I would commit my calls. You know what I would do if I was in your shoes? I I would just pray more, Job. I would give everything over to the Lord, Job. Job. I would spend my time in fasting and prayer and seeking the Lord because, you know what, verse 9, he can do great things, unsearchable things, marvelous things without number. He can give rain on the earth, he can send water on the fields, he can do all these things, Job. Obviously, you're not seeking him. And Job, guess what? Verse seventeen: Behold, happy is the man whom God corrects. Therefore, do not despise the chastening of the Almighty. Come on, Job. If you really want to be happy, if you would just accept this punishment, if you would just accept this discipline, and everything would be okay. And how does he end it? Verse twenty-seven: Behold, this we have searched out; it is true. Hear and know for yourself. Eliphaz sits down. Wow. Eliphaz's great comments once again are this. You've helped others. You can't handle it. There must be sin in your life. How do I know? Because I have deep revelations at night that are coming to me. Who can help you, Job? Verse 1, obviously nobody. Only foolish men have their sons died. Verse 8, get right with God. Verse 7, accept his correction. Verse 27, trust me. Trust me. Now, I don't know about you. We have to give Eliphaz a little bit of credit. He sat for seven days. He sat for seven days with Job saying nothing. I truly do believe Eliphaz is a friend to Job. I really do believe that Eliphaz is saying things that he thinks is right and important and that Job needs to hear. But it just doesn't line up with Scripture. It just doesn't line up with God. That's just not the way it works. And what happens is how often do we communicate without really stopping and thinking? What does the Lord want me to say? There's a verse that Don and I have used a lot lately as we were kind of just talking over things. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. It's a great proverb. Think about that. In the multitude of words, sin is not lacking. We've had conversations where they just keep going and going and going. And you just feel that tension building. You feel that stress coming up. And it's like, we, we really think by talking for another 15 minutes we're going to get through this. Now I'm going to give full credit. My wife is much wiser than me when it comes to this. Because she wouldn't talk. (laughs) I'm the one that keeps the conversation going. I'm the one that's going to analyze it from every angle. I'm the one that could go on for hours and hours. Because I will find peace through words. And usually what I find through words is more stress and more problems. And if I'd really just keep my mouth shut and pray, it would probably go a whole lot better. A whole lot better. If you're a note taker, you can write this down. Book of James. Okay James has a lot of wisdom and insight on this. So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. A lot of wisdom there. So that's Eliphaz's great comments and his points. Before we get to Job's response, anybody have any quick questions, comments, about anything here? Ryan. Well, Satan himself appears as an angel of light, and when Eliphaz says he had a vision of a the spirit, there's a possibility, a chance of chance it, there, that he'd be Quick Ben. Yep. Yeah, start this new religion. That's the truth of it. You know, I find it fascinating in the book of uh, Galatians that Paul comes out and says that even if an angel appears to you and preaches a gospel different than mine, don't believe him. And you can look back over some of the cults that have par- uh, popped up, especially Mormonism, what happened? Well, an angel appeared to them and preached to them a different gospel. And this junk is just, it's out there. And this is why it has to go back to God's word. And let me make this point again. And I know I've made it earlier because I want to make sure you see both sides of this. God does move through words of wisdom and through visions and dreams. He does. That makes it abundantly clear. I want to make sure that that is clear. But those things have to line up with scripture. It has to. And if somebody comes, thus saith the Lord, or this is going to happen, or you just wait, this is going to happen, well then by golly, it needs to happen. Because that's how the Lord moves and that's how the Lord works. In fact, in the book of Isaiah, God says, you know that I am God because I'm the only one that can do prophecy. Other religions can't do prophecy like I can. Jesus does. Excuse me, God does. And so therefore, if Eliphaz is saying this spirit came and revealed this to him, well then, by golly, I better line up with what God wants to happen. And obviously it's not. Anybody else have anything here before we move on? Okay, Job's response. Job basically comes out and says in chapter 6, verse 1, Job answered and said, Oh, that my grief are fully weighed and my calamity laid with it on the scales. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash. Job says, My trials are so tough, they outweigh the sand of the sea. Verse 4, I've been shot by God, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are raised against me. What does he think of Eliphaz's words? Verse 6, Can flavorless food be eaten without salt? Is there any taste from the white of an egg? My soul refuses to touch them. They are loathsome food to me. What he's saying is your words are empty. Your words are empty. I just want to make a quick point here. If this book was written back when we think it was written, thousands and thousands of years ago, verse 6, Job already knew you needed salt on things, right? Just keep that in the back of your mind. You need salt. That is biblical. So when you go out to eat, dump the salt on people. Verse 6, White of an egg. Is there any taste in the white of an egg? Nope. So I'm just telling you right now, eat what you want, right? That's biblical. So, scratch that, Dustin. Anyway, words are empty food. What does Job want to do? Verse 8, Oh, that I might have my request. What's Job's request? That God would grant me the thing I long for. Tell us, Job, that it would please God to crush me, that he would loosen his hand, cut me off. Then I would still have comfort. Though in anguish I would exalt, he would not spare For I have not concealed the words of the Holy One. Job's request is very simply this, God kill me. That's what he's asking for right here. Look at this right here. I can only have comfort, verse 10, if God would kill me. People still think that today. The only comfort I will have is in death. Job has convinced himself of this. I just want to die, verse 11. What strength do I have that I should hope? What is the end that I should prolong my life? He's saying, why am I even living? What is the point of all this? Well, what about your friends, Job? Verse 14, To him who is afflicted, kindness should be shown by his friend, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty. Friends, you're supposed to be showing me kindness. My brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away, which are dark because of the ice into which the snow vanishes. When it is warm, they cease to flow. When it is hot, they vanish from their place. What Job is saying there is, Hey, my friends are like ice. They melt away when it gets hot. Guys, when I need you more than anything, you are melting away. Verse 21, For now you are nothing. Your terror and are afraid. Did I ever say, bring something to me? Or offer a bribe for me from my wealth? Job's saying, did I ask for your help, guys? Did I ask for your words? Verse 26, Do you intend to rebuke my words in the speeches of a desperate one, which are as wind? Eliphaz, your words are like wind to me. That's what Job thinks. Job says, I just want to die. Death will bring me comfort. What's the point of living? My friends, they just completely melt away like ice or nothing. I didn't ask for your help. And your words are like the wind. My life is just all toil. Chapter 7. Is there not a time of hard service for man on the earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hired man? He goes, I'm just a hired man. My days are just toil. My days are just hardness. There's nothing here for me. Nothing is here for me. Verse 7, Oh, remember that my life is a breath. My eye will never again see good. There's nothing good left for me to see. There's nothing. So verse 11, I will not restrain my mouth. I'm not going to shut up. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Now that's a refrigerator verse. There you go. The next time you feel grouchy, you just tell somebody. Job seven eleven. Isn't that easy to remember? Job seven eleven. I will not restrain my mouth. I will speak in the anguish of my spirit. I will complain in the bitterness of my soul. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> next time we get harvest shirts meet up, that's what we're putting on the back. is Job, <laughs> Job seven eleven. I mean, seriously, let us stop for a second. Have you not ever been there? I mean, seriously, I think back in the nineteen years that Don and I have been married, and I think back to how embarrassing. Some of those conversations we had turned out. And how, just looking back, just how utterly immature Dawn has been. I mean, seriously. (laughs) And just the things that we have said in the moment of anguish and anger and frustration. Oh, Lord, help us to put a filter on our tongue. Help us to see the big picture. Job, he basically says, if I want to complain, I'm going to complain. You can't stop me. Friends? Yeah, you're not friends. I didn't ask for your help. Oh, we've all been here. We've all been to this point. Now he's been talking to his friends. Verse 16, I loathe my life. I would not live forever. Let me alone, for my days are but a breath. Now, all of a sudden, he goes from talking to his friends. Now he takes it to God. Verse 17, What is man that you should exalt him, that you should set your heart on him, that you should visit him every morning and test him every moment? How long will you not look away from me and and let me alone until I swallow my saliva? Job says, God, who am I to even that you're even looking at? And why, verse 18, are you testing me every moment? Do you ever feel that way? Every moment of your day is a test. Every moment of your day is a struggle. It's a trial. God, why are you doing this? Verse 20, have I sinned? What have I done to you, O watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target, that I'm a burden to myself? Why then do you not pardon my transgression and take away my iniquity? For now I will lie down in the dust and you will seek me diligently, but I will no longer be. God, I'm just going to lay here and die. That's Job's response. I'm just going to lay here and die. Everything is falling apart in his life. Jump back to verse 3. So I have been allotted months of futility, and wearisome nights have been appointed to meek. When I lie down, I shall say, When shall I rise and the night shall end? For I have had my fill of tossing till dawn. My flesh is caked with worms and dust. My skin is cracked and breaks out afresh. Job says, I just want to die. And God, why are you doing this to me? Why tell you this is an honest book? You got Eliphaz that's saying, You've just sinned. Confess and be okay. Trust me, Job. I've had visions. I've had dreams. Trust me. Then you have Job come back and say, Who asked you? I didn't ask for your help. Your words, your words are like empty wind to me. I just want to die. And this goes on. Like I told you two weeks ago, by the end of Job, it's going to be the worship team, Dustin and me out here. Because we're like, why do I have to go again? But this is such an honest book that really shows you what it's like. I mean, this is, this is human beings contemplating and thinking and dwelling and thinking and saying, Lord, what is going on? I mean, seriously, Lord, what have I done to deserve this, to earn this? Because my my life is completely falling apart. And as I told you many times before, Job doesn't know. So in verse 20, when he says, have I sinned? What have I done to you, a watcher of men? Why have you set me as your target? God never says, well, Job, let me tell you what's going on. I kind of got this deal going on with Satan. And I said, you're so amazing and so great, such a great servant of mine that you're blameless. So I said, "Ah, Satan, you can't bring Job down. And so I said, Satan, you can do whatever you want to him. You just can't kill him. So that's why all these bad things are happening. Job doesn't know that. He doesn't. He just knows that his life is utterly miserable right now. And he just knows that he wants to die. And he just knows that these guys, Eliphaz and Bildad and everybody... They're just going to keep on suggesting ideas. And you're going to just keep on giving these ideas. And Job's going to have to keep saying, nope. That's a tough book. Now, I think it's important that as we go through Job, that every message, we try to do something a little bit uplifting. So that way you just don't walk out here saying, yeah, this is great. Go with me to Psalm 13, please. Psalm 13. I wanted to find a psalm tonight that gives us a touch of this. Psalm 13. I read in a commentary here for Psalm 13. It says this. Psalm 13 starts out sighing and ends up singing. Let's remember that as we read through Psalm 13. You start out sighing, moaning, groaning, but then by the end you're singing and praising. Psalm 13, verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart daily? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Now, let's just be honest. We've had these verses before. You feel like the Lord has forgotten you. You feel like God is hiding his face from you. It's just awful. You have sorrow in your heart daily. Verse 3 Consider and hear me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes. Lord, open my eyes to what's going on, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed against them. Lest those who trouble me rejoice when I am moved. He starts out sighing. He starts out moaning. What is going on? In the middle, he says, Okay, Lord, open my eyes so I can see. Now, look how he ends in verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your mercy. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Then he ends up praising God. Uh, You know, I tell you this. If you're going through a Job moment right now, don't try to hide it, especially from the Lord. Go to these Psalm 13s and just start saying, Lord, what are you doing? I don't get this, God. My, my life is sorrow. My life is pain. Can you open my eyes to see why? And then you know what you do? You end verses 5 and 6. And Lord, I'm just going to praise you. And as we say out here all the time, you do not praise God necessarily for what he's done or what he's going to do. Yes, that is a part of praise and worship. But you also just praise God for who he is. And no matter what is happening in your life, no matter how you feel physically, no matter how many flat tires you have, no matter how much money is your bank account, God is still worthy of your praise. That's just the way it is. And the psalmist here in Psalm 13 gets that. He goes, I'm going to trust your mercy, I'm going to rejoice in your salvation, I'm going to sing to the Lord, because you're going to take care of me. So I don't know what you're going through. I hope you can learn from the honesty of Job But I hope most importantly you can learn from Psalm 13 that no matter what I'm facing, just like Job, I can end with the praise and the prayer. Now, you may be sitting here tonight going, okay, I'm not really going through a Job moment. Amen. But you probably know somebody who is. And if you don't know somebody is, is, I'm willing to bet you're going to run into somebody who is going through a Job moment. And then you can encourage them. You can uplift them. Please don't go be Eliphaz on them. You're obviously sinning. Trust me. Somebody came to me at night and told me you're sinning. No. Let's go to Psalm 13, Lord, and let's use that to encourage, to uplift. And this is what we're going to do here through the book of Job. Like I said, we're going to do it a bit differently. We're going to pick up the pace a little bit. We're going to see man's opinion on suffering and pain. We're going to say, okay, Lord, but what do you really want us to know? Because if you would just study out Job 4, 5, 6, and 7, you would say, okay, this is the God I want to serve. No, I wouldn't want to serve that God. I want to serve the God of Psalm 13. The God of Psalm 13 that is going to deal bountifully with me and take care of me no matter what I'm facing and what I'm going through. Does anybody have any final questions comments here before we go ahead and close up? All right, next week we're going to pick it up in verse uh, excuse me chapter 8. Like I said, we're going to kind of go through this fairly quickly here. Because, and everybody brings a little bit different take on it. Eliphaz brings his take. Bildad brings his take. And it's just kind of interesting to see all these people's opinions on this. And eventually, like I said... It gets to the point of Job 38 where God says, it's time for me to step in now. Hey, let's pray. Heavenly Fathers, we just come to you, Lord. If there's somebody here tonight going through a Job moment, just encourage them, uplift them. Let them know that you are their sure rock and foundation and that you will never leave them nor forsake them. Help them see the power of praise. And what you do and what you say, Lord, thank you. And Lord, as we run into people going through Job moments, maybe co-workers, loved ones, friends, I don't know, help us to encourage them to be uh, just a representation of your comfort. That the God of comfort could comfort us as we comfort other people. We say thank you and we praise you. We lift this up in your name. Amen. Hey, real quick, before I forget, I know a lot of you come up here for prayer on Wednesday night. And uh, Nancy Weber usually prays a lot for her father, Dale uh, Barney. uh, For those that don't know, Dale Barney passed away this morning. So just keep the Weber family in prayer uh, just for comfort during this time. And we'll have a time of prayer up here after church. If anybody wants to come up, we'll circle up and we'll pray. And if you've got to get going, hey, have a good evening. God bless. Hopefully we'll see you Sunday or Wednesday then, okay? Take care and God bless.